For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the podcast, Three Sides, with me, Aaron McLeod, where we will talk about all things that fall under the umbrellas of high performance, passion, and equality. Before we get started into the second part of the Olympic experience, interview with my dear sister, Kara Lightman. Here is a word from our sponsor. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Now we have to talk about the gold medal game. Yeah. I was wondering, do you even remember the game? (laughs) <laughs> and if you can, just give us like a real quick summary from your perspective. Well, I definitely think, uh, obviously I'm biased, but I think the two best teams of the tournament were in the final. I thought Sweden was fantastic the whole tournament. And um, yeah, I think they really challenged us. I thought the speed of play, the passing, I think it was fantastic. Um, I think there was chances but, I mean, they definitely had some chances. And, yes, Steph uh, came up big in some moments. And, um, and yeah, like the the overtime, I th- in my head, I th- I kind of knew that if we were going to make it through that second overtime, we were going to win. Like I knew because Steph had been fantastic and we had worked on PKs so much that we were really prepared for that. And um, so, yeah, it was – I mean, it was interesting – watching and like Sinky came out um, before the PKs and like there was some big moments that tested us and I was just yeah I was just proud you know like right until the very end and um, just all the prep and we relied on it's funny you know like years ago we were such like a young team quote unquote with a bunch of like oldies and and now we're (laughs) minus a couple oldies again but um, it was just cool to see the players that were typically the younger players come in and play such uh, important roles. And um, yeah, again, just like inspired. I like literally hated the whole game in the sense that I was like, can we end this? When we went into overtime, I was like, drop it, F-bombs. I, you know, so every time I sit on the side, I pack a snack pack because I'm ravenous. If anyone's been on the bu- on the bench, like, you're hungry the whole time. And the, the semi, and the, I couldn't even eat, like, and 
if you know me on the bench, that's a big deal. I like literally pack my fanny pack full of snacks, you know, and I couldn't, I was just shaking like a leaf. Um, and to be honest, like Hedvig, I have a lot of respect for her as a goalkeeper over the years. She's been fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was great to the last minute. I thought it was a great showcase of women's soccer and um, yeah. And also what's coming next for Canada. Um I, there's a few people who kind of mentioned that they have been such big fans since that. Like everyone remembers that game against the USA in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that really brought on a lot of new fans for you. And that really kind of, that's when Canada really made their first mark, I would say on like the international um, playing field. And I feel like the refing in that, USA Canada game oh, in Talk about the refing. May okay. have played yep. an impact. This may have, play, may have yes. played an impact on that game. And so when you guys got that in this game, in this gold medal game, when you guys got that PK, <laughs> I was like, it's karma. It is, this is like, this is, it's coming. It is happening. And for me, that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, first of all, Jesse Fleming is 12 years old and she's going to go up there and score because she's a boss. And she did. She looked so focused. She was like, watch this scored. And then in that moment, I was like, okay, this is, they're going to win this game. And then, and I felt so confident. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening, but everyone like your defense, you guys kept it together. You were definitely, (laughs) especially in that overtime, if I may say you were um, put under pressure yes. by Sweden, who which is kind of ironic because Sweden is a highly defensive yeah. team. Like that's, I think that's their strength as well. So I knew that would be an interesting game. And here was Canada doing like pulling the Sweden, just playing like star quality mm-hmm. defense. Uh, and then you went into those PKs and I was like, it's done. We're going to win. Oh my God. And then, and then it was no. not a smooth <laughs> set of PKs. So a lot of highs and lows. And yes, Steph did a fantastic job. And, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows. So how is it for you watching those penalties as a goalkeeper watching, not having to do it? <laughs> how did that feel? Yeah, well, to be fair, I actually, <laughs> probably not the answer you expected, but I actually practiced a lot of my mindfulness during the PKs because I feel myself get anxious when I'm thinking about the future or thinking what could happen. Right. So a lot of times I was just like trying to breathe and to be honest, just try to be like a fan, just try to enjoy every moment. And I think it's fair to say that like every ounce of my being like believe, believes wholeheartedly in this team. And, and if we wouldn't have won, then it just wasn't meant to be. You know, like we did everything we could have. And so, yeah, there was times when I was like kind of nervous, but I also kind of like, yeah, I just kind of always thought we would win, you know? Um, And I think it is, you know, you mentioned the 2012 game. And if you look at the statistics against France, we got outshot like 26 to two, or it was like, (laughs) like, like we really... (laughs) You know, I mean, karma, we were quite lucky to win that game, if we're being honest about that. But True. we weren't, like, I I felt really 
confident that we would change the color of the metal and we would go really far. And my one of my favorite memories of the whole tournament was Ashley Lawrence getting her 100th cap against the U.S. when we won, finally. I've never beat the U.S., 20 years. And we always kind of do like a little um, celebration when someone hits a huge milestone. And her thank you speech was to the 2012 group because she literally, I'm going to cry, started playing. <laughs> I see, you're, you're worse than I am. But started playing because of us. And I get to play with one of the best players in the world, Ashley Lawrence, you know? Um, so how cool that is um, to be a part of that. It's really cool. <clears throat> I know. I'm, not crying, I know. I'm, not I'm on my period, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's funny. With Ashley Lawrence, I was going to mention this later because my sister-in-law does not watch yeah. soccer, Deb. But she was watching all these games, just like everybody else who like knows me was like, yeah, we're watching, we're following. And she texted me mid game and goes, oh, my gosh, who is this Ashley Lawrence? Girl? She She's is. incredible. She <laughs> Describe your immediate experience after Julia Grosso. Is that how you Correct. say that last name? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, scored that last penalty to win the gold. So who did you hug first? Do you even remember it? What were the feelings? I mean, to be honest, there was like these kind of shady metal stairs from the stands <laughs> <laughs> to the field. And I was like, I just got to make it down these stairs because I knew <laughs> that I was with, you know, everyone, all the other alternates are fast as hell, right? So I'm like, as long as I don't get taken out, I'm going to sprint as fast as I can to the field. And like everyone sprinted to Julia, you know, like, um, and so I just ran literally as fast as I could. Uh, I think I ended up getting there last anyway, but no one took me out <laughs> on the way. But that was my first concern. I remember even evaluating the stairs before the game was over. I was like, you're going to have to be very focused. Because I was shaking all, you know, like physically I was shaking. I was like so emotional. So um, once I got past that, it was just like, how can I get to the team as fast as possible and um, hold everybody and yeah, just celebrate. It was fantastic. It's like a little old lady in you just trying to get there. You know? <laughs> just trying to get there. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Total FOMO, you know, don't leave me out. Um, okay. So then you get down to the field and you, you told me this after the game that you had this very sweet moment with uh, Bev and your team. And I've told this story to several people and I've cried every time. So can you <laughs> do your best okay. not cry and share that moment? I can't promise anything. So, <laughs> Leading up uh, to the tournament, we had a lot of like meetings, individual meetings with Bev and I had one with her and we were sitting down and uh, I literally, I don't know how all the meetings went, but I just said, how do you need me to help? Like, what do you need from me to push this group over the line? And, and we kind of talked about possible disconnectors and like people that we had to stay, like uh, stayed glued into the group and all these other factors, whatever. And and she said to me, like, you, you, you know, this kind of stuff, like you could be the reason uh, we get over this line together. And so I took that seriously as um, there's this fantastic, I think it's like a mini series, all or nothing about the New Zealand All Blacks. And there's just like one scene that was always sticking out in my head. The whole tournament was this young guy, like phenom rugby guy, right? And th there's this one other guy in his position who's like a legend. So he's not going to play, right? And his dad just said to him, 
you know, he's going into this tournament and nervous and his dad's like, just whatever role you're given, do it to the best of your ability. Give it a hundred percent, everything you got. I'm going to cry before I even get to the the punchline of this story. (laughs) So anyway, we've all sprinted. We're all, we're all embracing. We're all like losing it. And we're in this circle and we're like, everyone just explodes. Everyone's cheering like crazy. And I just start bawling (laughs) my eyes out. You know, it's like 20 years. I've given my whole life to this, you know? And and Bev is like across, like everyone is cheering and screaming and I have the opposite effect. I'm like so proud, I'm, I'm bawling. And Bev walks to the middle of the circle. She's like, Erin, come here. And she gives me this huge hug. And she, you know, in the middle of the whole circle and she's like, to Aaron, and, and like in my ear, she said, you were the reason. And yeah, it meant a lot, <laughs> obviously. I'm so glad my internet didn't cut out for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would have been pissed. I wasn't going to do that one again. <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> Speaking of crying, yeah. Um, we Facetimed after your game. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, and you sobbed like a baby. Yeah. Yeah, and it was literally just ten minutes of crying. Like so. So for us, from our perspective, we watched the game together. Like mom, we all zoomed together and watched the game. Yeah. And mom and dad, their feed was somehow like 20 or like two seconds faster or than ours. So like, okay, I kept okay. seeing like dad be like, oh, and like, no, oh, <laughs> like dad, like put yourself on mute. Cause he kept like ruining it for oh us. My God, anyway. oh my God. And right. like, and it was so typical, like mom and dad are there in like their full outfits and dad screaming and mom's probably like pacing around. And then like Megan had like friends over. <laughs> Yeah, she feels of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Jesse and I were just sitting at the edge of our seats, letting Peter do, our two-year-old do whatever he had to do so that we could just ignore him. He literally, at one point we brought his bike upstairs and he was riding his bike around our living room. Just oh, amazing, amazing. Meeting us. Anyway, so, you know, obviously we couldn't be there, which is too bad because my passport's actually up to date. But anyway, we couldn't be oh, there <laughs> together. Yeah. But it felt you know, as close as it could be, especially when we got to talk to you after. Um, and probably like if we were at the actual game, we wouldn't have had as much time to talk to you because it's kind of all so right. quick right after. Um, so one person asked, what was it like being away from loved ones and like with that big time difference? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, like with COVID protocols and everything, like it wouldn't have been uh, that, yeah, it would have been totally different and we probably wouldn't have been able to get close anyway, but I don't know. I, I just feel so connected to you guys. Um, or that you're, you know, such a big part of, and I probably don't say it enough. Um, but you're such a big reason why I'm still doing it, you know, like the days that are hard and, um, I struggle or, you know, it takes me a while to get warmed up. I think of like Peter's face or Henry, you know, or like when I held Malcolm for the first time. And, um, and so, yeah, you guys are so much of my motivation that, um, and I think I've been better, like most of my career, I've kind of had my head up my ass in the sense that, uh, yeah, I've been like soccer, 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 <laughs> <you say. laughs> soccer, 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 um, oh, so wait. obsessed that I like forgot to have a life, you know, and I feel like now I finally have a life and, um, and I'm so glad that all of you are such a big part of it, you know, and, um, 
so in no matter where I am in the world, I feel like you guys are always there with me. You guys have been with me the whole time and traveled the world, like you said, and been to so many places and have too many Canadian outfits that you can count. And, you know, like, and um, so I just feel really fortunate. Well, so do we. We enjoy it. And also on this FaceTime that we had after, like we, we, as your family, we watch watch these games like as your your sister or your parents or whoever and and we have gotten to know you well sorry we already do know you but we've gotten to know some of these players <laughs> as, yeah we know you yeah yeah all this yeah <laughs> but we see these players and we kind of know some of them as your friends and teammates but like we're also fans and so when we were talking on FaceTime I was just, I was just like you know crying but still able to talk and then you're like oh here's Sinky <laughs> who was then looking at me over FaceTime and like a normal person, she was like, hi. And then I proceeded to sob, just bawl my sob. eyes out because, yeah. oh my God, like here, here is Christine Sinclair, who's done so much for the sport. <laughs> she just laughed at me because she knows that we're so emotionally alike. But anyway, yes, she is incredible. And, you know, there was like a lot of talk about how she's inspired so many players to play and you know in that moment I wish I could say thank you to her for doing that on behalf of like all women in sport but um and all people in the the media they yes and all the people and all and you know she is currently playing with these young players that originally you know they were inspired by her I think you are also a part of that same caliber. Like you are in that 2012, like in in the 2015 World Cup as well. You know, you inspired a lot of young players to become goalkeepers. And I mean, you just described that there's like named five goalkeepers that you've worked with and who are all, you know, have excellent skills. And you've talked about Kaylin Sheridan and she said to you that you were you know, her role model growing up. So what's it like for you to play with these players who looked up to you when they were younger? I mean, I think that's, in one way, it's quite flattering. But I think what is also really cool is um, there was a quote, Becky Sauerbrunn from the U.S. made a comment. I don't remember the entire quote, but basically said, like, if I missed, then I haven't done my job. And um, I love that quote because it's so true. Um, A lot of these young goalkeepers are, maybe they were inspired by me at one point, but they will be better than I've ever been. And that makes me inspired, you know? Um, So that, yeah, I think that's what sport is all about. This uh, gold medal win feels like a win for every player who has ever been involved. So speaking of these like other players who have just, come together over the last, well, 20 years, like you've said. Because um, this program had to start somewhere and it's only continued to develop and improve and inspire young people to play. This tournament, though, you didn't play and, and you were an alternate and you took on a different role. And then your team finally wins gold. Somebody mentioned, and I, I'm just saying this is a question that somebody brought up, and I think you've talked about it before, is imposter syndrome, where like, you know, you, you don't really know if you belong in this, in this situation, but can you feel like 
like I feel like you have earned personally this this gold medal just like every other player who has played for Team Canada over the how since the beginning of time. So are you in a place where you are able to accept this win? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I've yeah, suffered imposter syndrome multiple times. And I do all the every time I get into a new environment, like even coming up back to the pride, you know, the first couple of practices, I'm like, oh God. And then and then it's fine, you know. Um, and then I kind of just come into my own again. But I was worried about that as we were like going through the tournament. And I think kind of what I said before, like whatever role I was given, I was just going to give it everything that I had. And I I think as I've gotten older and my self-awareness has gotten better, I can recognize when the level of a training session drops and I'm at a, because of my experience and whatever, I have no problem, not like ripping into someone. I don't believe in that, but like, you know, start demanding more of players and there's just certain things that I, I think I take personally and I drive a standard and I'm very aware of my communication and I change it depending on who I'm supporting and like what keeper I'm pushing or what fullback or, you know, and I think communication is really an art form. But I think when it comes to feeling connected and feeling a part of it, I sat down with my sports like the first day and And I said to him, I'm going to feel as connected to this group as I want. And I'm going to feel as responsible as I want for this win and deserving as I want. And I I do think it's a choice, you know, because it is is easy in that role to be disconnected because, you you know, some of the coaches or some of the you're prepping for the games, you're kind of sometimes an afterthought. And you can either take that personally or you can just accept that your, your goal and your role is to prepare 21 people as much as you can, you know? And so I think at the beginning I I battled with it, but then I was like, you know what? Like, like you said before, there's some people I've watched me play when I, you know, they were younger and inspired them to play. And I think for me, making sure that I was always driving a standard as much as I could in every day leading up, to the last minute of, you know, the gold medal game, then I felt like at least I contributed everything that I can. And in, in that sense, I did try my hardest and, and that's all I could have done in, in that role. And, and for that, I'm, I'm really proud. And of course, when you take a step back, it's easy to look at like my entire career and be like, yes, it's, you know, like I've, I've done the work and it was cool that, you know, Megan said, or I think it was Megan, or it might've been you in our, in our family chat after you know, I said something about like, oh, it's been 20 years I've been dedicated to this. But um, maybe it was mom that said, no, you've been dedicated to this for like 33. And it started when mm-hmm. I was five, you know. And it, and I think that's totally. also the really cool things about like the Olympics and like being in that uh, arena with so many incredible athletes. Like it's just, it's such a dream. And I think it's so cool that a sport can can drive that many people for that much of their life. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. I mean, I, we, I like love watching the Olympics and (laughs) yeah. Like, and, and it was like the most normal, especially with COVID, it was like the most normal two weeks, you know, that, that we've had in a while where we just like sat around eating pizza, like watching the games and just we're like, wow, look at the Olympians and look at all the things (laughs) they're doing. And, it was really, it was just really nice. Okay, this is my last serious question. And then I have some random other things. We- Funny, haha. Um, oh, but 
what now? What what do you think the future of women's soccer uh, looks like, especially in Canada? Like after this gold medal, do you think this is going to change things? Do we hope for a pro team, maybe? What do you think? Yes. So I think if you look at the world and all the successful women's teams that are consistently staying up in the top 10, have leagues. And Japan, uh, their promise was after the Olympics, they're going to start theirs. I believe that's correct. Um, you know, the US, Sweden, all these other countries have, I think Brazil is, theirs is like still growing, but in the sense that I think they have a semi-pro league. It's just not a full professional league at this point. But regardless, if we want to hang with the best, I think that's the next step. Canada is tricky in the sense that it's a big country and like, how would that look if we're developing a league? Um, but I think, you know, the, the men are doing it right now. I think an NWSL team there's, it's complicated in the sense that I know a lot of people are like, why don't we just start an NWSL team? But the team would have to be basically American. It wouldn't be a Canadian team. It's similar to the MLS structure. So it's mm. anyway, whatever way you look at it, it's a little bit complicated. However, I think, in my opinion, it's necessary. The moment that I saw Elizabeth Manley skate at the Olympics when I was five years old, I was like, a woman is doing this, so I can do this. And I think as far as representation, there's so many different cultures across our country, mm -hmm. and um, not all of them are being represented in our national team. Right. Only two, I would say. Black and white people are the only ones being represented right now. So for me, it's like, getting representation, getting people seeing athletes in their backyards, um, getting out and, and, you know, going to the games. I think it's so, so important. Um, and sport just on any level is fantastic for development and, and teamwork and these things that when I am done playing, I will need for my next job. It will be why I will be, you know, hopefully successful in my next career. Mm -hmm. So um, you're growing you have to think of it as not just growing athletes, you're growing these coachable, hardworking, driven individuals. And, you know, which country doesn't need more of that, I think. So I think we need investors. It comes down to money mm -hmm. and people being willing to invest. And if you look at it that way, you're not just investing in an athlete, you're investing in a person. I, I think it makes it an easy no-brainer. Um, and definitely when I'm retired, whenever that is, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I will be probably really annoying to a lot of people until we get that going. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Representation matters. And I mean, I, I have two boys and, you know, I was a little bit crushed when I didn't have a girl because it was like my dream to raise a <laughs> young female athlete. But, um, you know, I want my boys to grow up in a world where like women's sport is just as prominent as men's sport or, you know, that anybody who identifies however, you know, they are, there's a place for them to play. And I want my kids to see that. And I want to take my boys to yeah. go watch a women's soccer game. You know, if, if Henry said, oh, I didn't know the boys played soccer. I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should watch a men's game sometime. Cause we really only watch like female sport in our house. But um, yeah, I think that's, important and, and I think that Canada is ready for it and there's definitely like the fans are here and we're all ready for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to the 4.4 million people that watched that final game. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times we were like, ah, people don't watch women's sports. And that's BS. Yeah. And well, and it's, it sucks because it's hard. It's hard to watch your games. You know, you have to have certain subscriptions to different online websites right. to watch women's sport or pay or, you know, where otherwise it's broadcasted for free to watch like any men's sport. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Okay. Preaching for the choir. I hear you. This is probably turning into like a two-day podcast. Um, two-day podcast. All day or die. Okay, so these are like my final quick questions. There's a few of them, so, you know, answer them quickly. Um, I'll do my best. This one that came in from Gunhild Ursajon's daughter. Oh, my goodness. She snuck in the questions, huh? She says, did you buy anything at the gift shop? Yeah, I know that's a slam because I bought a lot of things <laughs> at the gift shop because let's be honest, I'm not going for a, for a fourth Olympics, okay? Um, so I just got as many things as I could and they're all sitting actually beside me. I have not shipped one thing out yet, but I'll get to that soon. You can you can bring them with yourself and your gold medal because everyone's yeah. asking about it, yes, at least in yes. my neighborhood. Yes, a lot of people um, do ask about it. <laughs> Speaking of Gunny, she, someone asks, which Pride team member did you talk to most while you were away? I'm guessing it was Gunny. So let's go to the second, <laughs> second person. <laughs> A second person? Uh, probably Allie Riley, because Allie Riley plays for New Zealand as well. Um, and she was in the Olympics. They got unfortunately knocked out after their group games. And um, that is a... I know this is supposed to be a short answer, but... Um, <laughs> COVID has been really hard for their team. I mean, that, that team hasn't been together for like over a year, a year and a half or something like that. And then got together basically like 10 days before the Olympics. So this was a, a tricky one. And uh, as, yeah, I just hope that we continue to progress in the right direction when it comes to this pandemic. Who was the funny, who, sorry, who has the funniest jokes on the team? Maybe starts with V and ends with Anessa. Oh man. <laughs> It was her that asked this question. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was. yeah. yeah. Um, also, how do you say Vanessa Gillies, Giles, Gilles? Gilles, how do you say? Gilles, Gilles, I think. Elle est française. Okay. Française, I guess you would say. Oh, man. She, you know, it's funny. <laughs> so she is the one. Well, I wouldn't say she's. Yes, she'll probably, she might listen to this. So, yes, she's quite funny. She has a lot of dad jokes, she calls them. Nice. And she is always like, speak French with me. And every time we speak French together, she like corrects every word that I say because my grammar is always wrong. So it's like, it's kind of funny, but it's also important for my French. So, but yes, the answer is Vanessa. Okay. Um, what was the best part of the Olympics outside of the game? Like, you know, besides playing like yeah. outside of the soccer thing, you know, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. Thank you. Um, yeah, to be honest, the connection with a lot of my teammates, there's so many awesome people on that team. And like I said, I know I'm like the old cat there, but um, yeah, like, cause I had been out of the program for like two and a half years, um, basically. So for me going in, this was like my third camp, like the Olympics was, I think my third camp in two and a half years. So to be able to go back and then rebuild some of the relationships, cause it had been so long and then to make a lot of new friendships, I think was 
probably my favorite. The, the day, the night after we won the gold, we basically were out celebrating by the Olympic rings in a village until the sun came out and it was just our team. And it was just, uh, it was so cool. That's really special. I'm glad you got to celebrate because you, you're always so, you know, lame. Yeah. <laughs> lame. Thank you. Uh, okay. Um, who is the most famous Olympian you have met? Who, who are you the most starstruck by? And then who do you think was the more, most starstruck by you? Um, I don't think many people are starstruck by me personally, but, um, as far as who I am actually, Mark Tewksbury, when I met him for many reasons, he, you know, he came out as an Olympic athlete in the nineties, like nobody was coming out then, you know what I mean? Um, or it was quite hostile, I think for most gay people in the nineties. So, um, when he came out, I thought it was encouraging and amazing and then the whole like 2014 was so cheap olympics was a anyway um but in 2012 when we had our historic um bronze medal finish he i think he was a chef de mission and i walked with him all the way to the closing ceremonies and it was yeah. just one of the i mean we had just won bronze i just had like one of the best games of my life and um, I was so proud of the team. It was just like a cool moment. And then to chat with this guy who I thought was just such a, um, such a role model, so courageous and just such a cool guy, just like a really, really nice guy um, that I think. And then also I met Silken Lauman. This is funny. Um, she'll hopefully she never listens to this podcast. I was <laughs> flying and like, for some reason got magically upgraded to first class and and I had saw I saw her in the airport. Silken Laman is like a Canadian roar, very famous for any um, people who aren't aware. And um, she's famous for or infamous for like in one of her competition at or like literally went through her leg. Right. Um, anyway, so um, she's an incredible speaker. She's doing incredible things across the country still. And so anyway, I see her in the airport. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Silken Laman. And then we get on the plane and the open first class seat is right beside her. <laughs> and I am like, Oh my God. <laughs> so I like, I'm like, Oh, that's me. <laughs> Thanks. And I like, and I sit down and, and she's eating a, like she's gluten-free, right? So she's eating a gluten-free muffin. And if anyone's had a gluten-free muffin, they're normally pretty dry. <laughs> okay. So she's taking a bite of her gluten-free muffin and it's like, ah. <laughs> literally literally choking to death okay and I'm like I'm there because I'm always hydrating I've got my water bottle I'm like water and I'm like <laughs> I can't just so overwhelming so I basically saved her life and she like she's like ah, I just have the worst gag reflex and like finally like got herself together and in that way I'm so grateful it was the best icebreaker ever because we just chatted the rest of the flight and it was fantastic and I'm like you are my hero and I was able to like literally tell her which is cool you don't normally get to tell people that you admire and have so much respect for that you admire them so we chatted the rest of the flight and, and she was talk about high performing it's like really just a way of life you know now she's a motivational speaker and she was coming back from this course where she's literally looking at people and um, reading their body language and their facial expressions to see how much information they're retaining, like Whoa. studying of this, you know? So it was just very motivating in many ways. And this is right before she had released her book. So it was cool timing. Wow. 
Speaking of cool timing, that was a really quick answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But no, ah, you're welcome. But you're it welcome. was a good one. Yeah, um, thanks. Okay. Let's say you retire from soccer. The Winter Olympics <laughs> are taking place next February in Beijing. Let's say you pull, you pull a Claire Hughes. What sport are you switching to compete? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Winter Olympics. Oof. That's a tough one. I am not good at any winter sports. And because... Well, you're not allowed to play winter sports. I was going to say, because of my contracts, I literally <laughs> haven't been able to do any type of winter sport. I'm bad on skates. I'm bad on skis. I'm bad on... Is like tubing? No, that's not a sport. <laughs> like winter tubing? Like snow tubing? <laughs> well, like the luge. You could just like, you just have a running start. No, I, and then, I think I'm too afraid. And then bomb I'd be too afraid. Down. It's a scary, it's a scary. No, Maybe like an announcer. Maybe you could be like a yes. sports caster. An announcer. There you go. That doesn't know anything about winter sports. I don't even know if that would be possible. <laughs> And now we got the sled take going down the tube. Wow. That is, is that a Bob? Oh, it's a, a Bob sleigh. Oh, that's, is that Bob's sleigh? Yeah, I know. Okay. Oh, maybe not. Okay. Uh, how is your artwork going? And you got any current pieces you're working on? Uh, I've actually, I fell off the art train a bit. I'll keep this short though for you, Kira. Um, <laughs> I am about to start designing another tattoo sleeve. So, I haven't done some tattoo design in a while, but uh, with all my spare time, I'm going to try and do that. Wait, is this for your other arm or is this for somebody else? It's someone else. Did you get okay. scared for a minute? I was just worried. I'm like, I wonder if mom and dad are going to listen. Mom pooped her pants a bit. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, my baby. Um, what's your favorite karaoke song? So I know this is ballsy, but I know most of the lyrics to Adele songs. So every time I ask for an Adele song, like Make You Feel My Love or uh, Someone Like You, it's because I know the lyrics, not because I think I sing like Adele. I just want to clarify that on air. Right. So you're just really picking something that's really going to make you dance. Right. I'm like, how can I bring down the room? (laughs) I see some dry eyes. Let's try and change it, shall we? (laughs) Let's bring it down a little bit. Okay. Um... Are you going, did I ask this already? Are you ever going to post more videos of you singing? Speaking of Adele. You didn't ask me that. Um, hmm. I'm not sure. I don't have any bandmates currently, but I could ask Marta because she literally plays every single instrument you can name, including the accordion. So I'll get back to you on that. She's very impressive. That's really cool. Okay, this last question was like a bit bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit bag. <laughs> By bag. I mean, vag. <laughs> yeah, man, I was doing so good, too. This last question was a bit <clears throat> vague. Oh, uh, vague. It could have been for either of us. I wasn't quite sure, but I'm going to oh. guess it's for you. Can you answer first and I'll go second? Or oh, is, what's the question? The question is, why are you so amazing? It was probably for you. <laughs> I could see why you were confused, though. Yeah, it's probably for you. Oh, And there you have it. Thanks again for listening. Today's episode was brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. 
Thanks for joining me on this episode of Three Sides with Erin McLeod. If you are interested in hearing about a certain topic, let me know. You can email me directly at themotivenation1 at gmail.com or my Mindful Project email, erin at themindfulproject.us. Thank you for your presence and for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.